we know that prisoners re-offend less if they can get a decent job, if there's a pathway out of the secure establishment to a decent job or career. Da, 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 da. Hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech podcast and this episode of the VocTech podcast where we seek to explore the intersection between adult education and technology. Since our last episode, we have a new president of the United States and there's a potential COVID vaccine in the works. So lots of change and some positive news and you can work out which one is which, but all in all, some fantastic developments since we last published an episode. Okay, well, if you've been listening carefully to past episodes of the VoxTech podcast, you'll be familiar with the work of our podcast partner, UFI VoxTech Trust, who champion the power of technology to improve skills for work. They do this through various grants and investments, and more recently through specific funding to ensure the continuity of vocational learning in response to COVID. Over the next few months, I'm going to share some of these amazing response projects. And today we're going to kick that off by looking at those who are working to ensure vocational education across the criminal justice system. You will hear about providing access to learning environments, tailoring and adapting learning, assessing learning and creating employment opportunities. And I have to say that I was surprised by much of what I heard in this episode. So definitely worth a listen. And thank you to Stephen Hind and others for their video version of this audio podcast, which you can see on the UFI YouTube channel. Putting this episode together also made me recall the excellent audio programme on Radio 4, um, which was called What's It Really Like to Be in Prison, which I really enjoyed listening to. And I definitely recommend if you enjoy this particular episode. Okay, let's get straight into it. Here's Patrick Dunn, the project account manager at UFI VocTech Trust, to talk about what the opportunity for VocTech is in the criminal justice system. We have a number of UFI projects in the prison sector, and clearly the prison sector presents some uh, special, some unique challenges to, uh, to learning. And what our projects are aiming to do is use technology to overcome some of these challenges. So the first of the, the, the categories of problem is um, providing access, providing access to learning environments. What a couple of our projects are working on is using specific technologies to present learning opportunities to prisoners that were not previously available. Now, it might surprise you to learn that actually quite a lot of technology is allowed within the prison sector. For example, you can take an iPad in, you can take a a VR headset in, but you have to consider a number of things. You have to look at security, clearly, security of, of, of network environment. You need to look at weaponization. You Can the item be used to injure others and so on? And these are unique challenges. Um, but what some of the projects are doing is using technology to provide opportunities to learn in ways that were not uh, previously available. Secondly, tailoring and adapting of learning. Now, in most learning situations, the cohort of learners is what you might call coherent. They tend to be uh, in a learning environment in order to learn. So there are similarities between the learners. But if you think about it for half a second, in a prison, you might have, I don't know, a PhD astrophysicist academic at one end of the spectrum and then someone who can't read and write at the other. And they don't have the same learning needs. It's a very disparate audience. 
But one of the things we're learning about technology is that it can provide opportunities for tailoring and adaptation. So each learner can uh, have access to learning which is entirely relevant and appropriate to them and their specific needs and context. The third and fourth categories, um, the third one is assessing learning. How do you assess learning using technology? And then the fourth one is about employment opportunities. I'll, I'll bundle those two together because they're somewhat related. So we know that, just talking about employment, we know that prisoners re-offend less if they can get a decent job, if there's a pathway out of the secure establishment to a decent job or career. So uh, a couple of our projects are looking at that specifically. But very closely related to that is the issue of assessment. So if you can accredit learning, if you can give someone a certificate, a badge, an accreditation that says they've achieved something, they've done something um, while in prison, that's more likely to lead to a pathway which then leads to secure employment. So, like I say, the third category is about assessing learning, and then the fourth one is about creating employment opportunities and pathways to jobs. One of these projects is MegaNexus, a leading provider of secure software solutions to the public sector and organisations which deliver public services. Here's Daniel Brown from MegaNexus to tell us more. So MegaNexus has been involved in online learning in prisons for about five years plus, and the UFI project enables us to extend that to in-cell learning for individual service users in prison to have personalised learning that they can run independently. Um, It's a key project that we believe will transform what a prison does with a service user and what a service user can achieve. Um, Because currently, access to our systems is quite limited on the wings, uh, in libraries, in learning centres. And people can be locked up for over 20 hours a day in prison on occasion. That time is not used constructively generally at all. But we believe that it could be extremely, extraordinarily constructive. And that really is the central purpose of the UFI in-cell project. Giving access to individuals in-cell is fraught with issues. Some of them are not so real. Many of them are very real. So firstly, we have to look at the actual device itself. That has to be something that can't be weaponized. Um, That has to be something that can't provide unfettered access to the internet because clearly there are all sorts of activities that would not be good and not acceptable for people to to do in prison. But we do want it to enable people to um, perform constructive learning activities flexibly and learn about what is happening in the digital world because we've had occasions where people have released after 20 years and the digital world is completely new and then thwarts people's capacity for rehabilitation when they go outside. So what we've been working on is a system that enables those individuals to gain access to materials, to gain access to some uh, information and to be able to share some relevant pertinent information that enables them to get more personalised education um, and for that process to go better. But that data sharing, that information sharing, that content sharing, the appropriate devices, and then as, you, as, as, as we need to note, the access of those devices to a secure network is challenging as well. So how those ac- devices are a- a- activated and accessed is a challenge in itself. 
For example, some of the Victorian um, prisons effectively form a Faraday cage, which means that certain forms of, of, of Wi-Fi uh, are very ser seriously restricted. And you've got issues then of connectivity and cost um, uh, and, and then freedom of access, which are all complicated. So all of these things go together, but they are, in our opinion, solvable. And, and thanks to the UFI programme, we have gone a long way to solving them and we will be piloting those uh, in the very near future, um, both in prison and, and actually uh, on the way out um, into the community through the game. But what about the learning journey? The learning must follow them and it's designed to follow them. So we're currently, we're fortunate, we're in every prison in England and Wales and the system is um, an internet-based system. So the, the, uh, an individual's account moves with them wherever they go to, from prison to prison, from prison to the community as well. So that's um, part of the, of the system design um, and that's catered for. So we're comfortable with, with that issue. What we need to ensure is that um, the, the individuals um, access the relevant um, resources when they go out. Ironically, sometimes there are challenges where there is quite a lot of work done in a prison for a service user, but when they leave the prison, all of that support just falls apart. We want to make, make sure that there is continuity when people leave. Clearly, we don't want people coming back in. Uh, the system can cope with that, but that's not something we want. We believe that continuity of learning and continuity of stored materials, including, for example, people build a CV whilst they're um, in prison, is absolutely critical. So we've got something called VC in the community, which enables people to access the system whilst they're in the community. There is a difference in philosophy for that system. The key thing is when people are in prison, um, they have a walled garden and the virtual campus has some very stringent boundaries in terms of what people can access. When they leave prison, we actually want those people to be using the virtual campus as a springboard, as a trampoline. We don't want them to keep identifying as offenders or even ex-offenders. We want them to identify as students. We want them to start using a recruitment site rather than the virtual campus recruitment or the New Futures Network, which is a, a great um, HMPPS initiative about supporting people into jobs. But we want them to start using the conventional um, recruitment agencies and Job Centre Plus when they're out of prison because they need to learn those skills. So we, whilst we want to provide continuity, it's a delicate balance because we don't want them to be fettered to um, a system which is in significant part designed for offenders and ex-offenders. We want them to springboard off of that using links to other sites. That has a disadvantage, it should be noted, that we can track people a bit less in terms of their activities, but we need to focus on them as citizens and what they can do productively, which is the, the philosophical goal of the VC in the community. In response to COVID-19, um, the prisons have largely been locked down. And that has had a very um, challenging effect on uh, service users generally and the project that we've been working on specifically. Um, what we did do, we were able to leverage the work we were doing, um, both in terms of its, its importance where ministerial um, uh, 
view of what we were doing um, actually pushed the importance and prioritization of our project um, across um, HMPPS, so that was good. And the second thing we did was use the system to provide a lockdown library, which meant that it was in some ways a little bit challenging, but we were able to take a lot of the content that was available across the prison service and provide that in case some cases in printed format, but to service users who were locked in their cells. So it both highlighted the need for getting devices into cells, which is what we're all passionate about and needs to happen, um, but did that by doing something useful for some of the, um, the, the service users across prisons, particularly where the lockdown was very severe. And in some cases it was extremely severe with people um, unfortunately having to be locked up for long periods um, in, in their cells. So I, I think in, in, it, whilst it was extremely challenging, I think COVID, the COVID pandemic has highlighted the extreme importance of this. And our belief is there is only one way this is going to go and there is going to be in-cell provision through this project going forward over the next three years. This is all quite fascinating. And the idea of culture shock in a new digital world yet to be experienced is quite a concept to behold. Another project which made use of UFI Voctec Trust funding is the work of Niacro. Lee Tavender and Kate Russell talk here about the unique challenges of innovation within the criminal justice system. It's it's really difficult to introduce new things to the prison um, and it's really difficult to actually bring technology into a uh, custodial setting. But for this project, we're actually bringing virtual reality into the prison. Um, I'm Kate Russell, so I'm senior pack of uh, working for NIACRO and NIACRO is a voluntary organisation which has been working for nearly 50 years to reduce crime and its impact on people and community. And it does this by providing services to children and young people, families affected by imprisonment and adults in prison and the community. My role is primarily based in the prison where I manage a team in the three prisons within Northern Ireland. Um, our aim is to support people in prison and move them closer to education, employment and training. Our work in the prison is to motivate um, prisoners to engage with opportunities and we also work with them through the gates. Um, so through the gate is working with them in custody, building relationships, raising aspirations and working together. And then we meet them in the community um, and help support them to fulfil their potential in whatever they want to move into. The UFI project um, is a project that will allow prisoners in um, all three of the prisons in Northern Ireland to gain some practical experience, but actually um, whilst in the prison. Um, a high percentage of our jobs are construction, maybe 60-65%. So it's going to be valuable for prisoners to actually have a feel of uh, what it would be like to be on a building society and do some practical exercises. Um, it's very difficult to create real environments in a custodial setting. There's obviously a lot of restrictions, a lot of security. So this is one of the first chances where prisoners can actually do education, which is uh, based around a real environment. So we're using the VR goggles to look at things like site safety and the practical experience of actually being within a construction site. Um, and this is far, far better than doing an exam or uh, actually sitting and reading. Um, many of the people that we work with would have a low level of literacy, would not be particularly engaged in classroom work. So uh, it's far better to put them in a practical environment um, and have them learn that way uh, and actually get a qualification out of it at the end. 
Um, it's a very new thing. I don't think this kind of learning has ever been an option in a prison before. So we're bringing lots of different learning styles and lots of different opportunities that we've never had before. Another company working in collaboration with Nycro to bring the technology of virtual reality to the educational needs of prisoners is Centereal. I'm Nula Trainer, Programme Manager for Centereal. We're an immersive tech company based in Belfast. Delighted to be working on this project with our colleagues at Nycro and the Construction Industry Training Board for Northern Ireland, who put expert uh, advice into the project for us. So it's a great partnership. So from the outset, um, I suppose that the one of the main goals was to define learning outcomes for the project. What exactly did we want to deliver here? So as you've heard, the project is being delivered to prisoners. It's understanding the prisoners and understanding their needs. A lot of them left school early, uh, probably have low levels of education and don't don't thrive in your typical environmental setting in a school or college or whatever. So along with NIACRO and uh, the CITB, we, we defined our learning outcomes. What do we want to deliver and how are we going to deliver it? And we saw straight away the benefits of the immersive learning um, the the ability for users to put on a headset and become immersed in this environment with no distractions and the ability um, to carry out risk-free training, to actually go on to a building site and experience it as if they were there in real person. It's the next best thing to actually doing it in real life. It's risk-free and also the learners can try and retry as necessary. So if at first you don't succeed, try again. And that's especially relevant to maybe these uh, these people who haven't been successful earlier on in life, giving them the chance to engage with technology to provide these enhanced uh, learning outcomes and train them for something worthwhile that they can carry out once they leave the prison. Part of this is creating positive learning experiences which change someone's perception of what learning is. We wanted to provide learners with a positive learning experience unlike any they've had before. It's gamified, so it's attractive. It's better than a classroom learn, learning environment and gives them a taste of what it's like to be on a building site. So it's an effective way of getting them to engage, maybe in particularly around for short-term prisoners who are stuck in a revolving door of being and out of prison. So it has the potential to break that cycle and perhaps maybe offer them a different door, maybe into something else. Um, so it's designed to be a fun way of learning, offering you know rewards which are gamified, um, which all helps to retain knowledge. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, Kate, from our end too, our developers are all young and they're so into this gaming, the virtual world. It's quite normal to them. And, you know, they understand um, the motivation of playing these games, getting rewards, trophies, you know, things like that. You complete a task, you want to get on to the next level. So when they're designing it, they know exactly and they understand their end, their users, their end audience. Um, and, you know, they have incorporated some amazing things like, you know, the hands glowing when you're manipulating objects and the trophies lighting up. And, you know, it, it just really does um, encourage um, 
users to progress with within the, uh, the application. Um, and again, you know, it's it's actually doing these skills that they can't really get from watching a video. And the research has all shown that learning by doing um, provides enhanced learning outcomes. So these guys will definitely remember and have um, increased retention compared to maybe sitting in a tutorial set style of lecture being delivered. Um, and another thing we talked about, I suppose, Kate, as well, was the, the level of the content, bringing it quite down, making it quite simplified and motivating so that everyone would easily understand it and they would be encouraged to use it. So, um we basically can get a practical environment into the prison. So we're offering people the experience of working on a practical site. So we can actually bring that in on the headsets, which is a real benefit. What is the learning journey like within prisons? I mean, a prisoner's journey um, is a fairly extensive one. And, and often education is a long, long way down the line. Um, having been settled in prison and um, sort of been sentenced, then it's a case of preparing them for release uh, and that's where education tends to sort of come to the fore. Um, I think there's a variety of types of education whether it's sporting whether it's classroom based and I think this is just another fantastic branch of education that we can bring to the prison system um, to offer something different practical and one of the most important things something they can actually use when they get released. Um, mm. Often education is given but there isn't really a, a pathway to how they're going to use this this because it's so practical and because it's so focused um, can actually motivate them towards getting employment when they uh, get onto the outside. And I think uh, actually giving people genuine practical skills rather than a certificate, as popular as certificates are, um, this is something that can be, well, that can change the life of a prisoner really if they can um, get employment and then start to build a, a, a more secure environment on the outside through the gate. Um, I think it's far more tangible to them, to individuals, to give them these skills than it would be to sit them down with a piece of paper. Um, I think this puts them in a working environment, it makes it a bit more real for them and it motivates them towards release to to start building other skills as well. Um, and I say that the, the fact that it's different and the fact that it's new becomes a little hook to bring them into a classroom. Um, and once they are there, once the VR has maybe been the attraction to them, um, then, you know, we can build on that from an educational point of view. If you're thinking, but what about, but what if this bit's for you? So another feature, which is a benefit to this project, is that it's mobile. Um, it requires no internet access, which is a problem in the prison where we have no or restricted access to internet. So we don't need, need to use that and use the internet. Um, and it's virtually sort of impossible to get equipment in like laptops, USB pens, um, and it does take a lot of time and energy to get those all in and sometimes we don't get them in. With everyone's story so different, how can this be personalised? Sarah Cox is from MyBee Awards. Digital Change Makers is an avatar-based platform that transforms prisoners' experience into expertise. MyBee Awards is a vocational training provider that works exclusively with underserved communities we do a lot of work in the prison and probation service, building bespoke vocational qualifications that meet the complex needs and ambitions of those within the prison and probation service. 
We are really thrilled to have been accepted as a UFI project. We've been working uh, in the Prison Information Service for a very long time. Our team has a wealth of experience in this area and an understanding of the, the challenges inherent in delivering learning in that environment. The UFI project has emerged from a piece of software that our team had developed um, over about 10 to 15 years, working with huge numbers of learners within prisons. And we developed a really accurate way and a really personalised way of developing programmes with them, understanding the complexity of their needs across a variety of different scopes and delivering training programmes that really treated that learner as an individual that understood that they could only progress towards their learning goals if they were also supported against the complex needs also. And that is what has brought us to working with UFI, trying to take this approach, upgrade it so that it is usable by larger audiences accessed via the internet uh, and via um, digital devices, but also to ensure that whilst we are automating numbers of the, the processes, there is still that human interaction and we're doing that via a avatar-based learning system, as well as really bespoke uh, learning programmes and through learner-generated content. Okay, so avatars, I get that. I've just watched Ready Player One. Very enjoyable if you haven't watched it yet. But how are you using avatars here? So a learner within the prison and probation system goes onto the platform and can select a learner that is representative representative of themselves. But also these avatars have been developed with the input of thousands of previous learners from within the prison and probation service. So they know that these um, journeys that they go through, the, the experiences and the case studies that they're looking at are validated against past learners and we are con continuously developing new content through the learners that will engage with the platform to go into these. So a learner can have a avatar that is representative of themselves, they can reflect on experiences that they maybe they've been through in the past and pull out different experiences and expertise that they've developed through those experiences. Also, crucially, the learners that we work with, they will have had to recount their personal histories dozens of times over the course of their journey within the prison and probation service. And they often get quite frustrated and sometimes re-traumatised by having to rec recount these stories. Using an avatar gives them a bit of a distance and it also makes it more engaging and interesting way of learning from their past experience. Um, so that is why we've created this and that's why we are seeing some really positive responses from our early learner group in the use of avatars as a learning mechanism. There's been lots this year on school or college pupils or university students missing out. But who else should we be thinking about when we think about learners in the context of COVID-19 and beyond? So our focus has always been the unloved communities and we've done huge amounts of work with them. And what we've recognised is that while we focus on vocational learning, you can't help someone achieve unless you also assist them in shaping their mindset. So our platform is looking to enabling our learners to understand you know, what might be holding them back, the different support that they need, as well as the opportunities they have. And this mindset shift ultimately over time leads to a behavioural shift as well. So they can become stronger peer mentors within prison, so they can become more productive community members upon release, and they can get more effectively towards more aspirational work-based opportunities as well. How can assessment be improved? Fluents are working in this area. Here's David Hoare. 
Fluence is an AI company. We specialize in the application of forensic linguistics to automate the process of reviewing student work. So the idea is it's very difficult for tutors to coordinate standards and to agree on the definition of what an A looks like or a pass looks like. So what we do is we analyze how hundreds and hundreds of previously graded samples have been um, graded, and then that allows us to automate that process on behalf of the tutors. And the idea is that it allows tutors to do away with the difficult administrative and difficult to quantify work, um, which can take up up to 14 hours of their working week. The secure estate is one of the most complex teaching environments we've ever analyzed. And the problem is that it's a very secure environment. It's very difficult to share best practice between prisons. So it's difficult, therefore, for two tutors to agree on the definition of a pass. It's therefore also difficult for training organizations to coordinate the appropriate detection of learning needs and to ensure that progression is tracked on, a, on an equal basis. So what we're trying to do is to train up something that can then be deployed across the space, across the entire sector, in a way that delivers evidencing in a robust, repeatable way to ensure that every prisoner received the same level of provision. Um, the other side of it is that um, tutors waste an awful lot of time on the administrative process, and it's not something that tutors are particularly, well, I should say tutors, humans are particularly good at, because doing the same thing a thousand times is not what we're very good at doing. Uh, what we're better at doing is analysing one thing really well. So what we do is we learn from what has happened in the past to then automate the process going forward. The challenge with being a tutor is you don't have enough time. So the, every process within the prison system is difficult or made more difficult by, by not having enough time. You don't have quite enough time to check the person's functional skills levels, which means that then they're put into the wrong program, which then leads to further complications down the line. And essentially, there's never enough time to have executive control over what the, what the student's up to in the prison. So the idea is what we're trying to do is to simplify the process, have multiple touch points of assessment all the way through the, the student's learning and progression pathway so that we can keep tabs on what's going wrong, what's going well, what they're already good at, what they like to talk about, and the areas that will have the biggest impact on their progression. And so, for example, at the moment, the process of formative assessments of understanding what is um, required or what's going to have the biggest impact on the student, that can take up to two weeks for someone to work out what is what is going to be best for that student. If we could do that in the space of a, a couple of hours or even a couple of minutes, if we can sort of capture that information passively, it buys the tutor a so much more time to do what they do best, which is to do the teaching side, which is to do the pastoral side and the progression side. Working with the Novus team, we looked at several potential programs for analysis. So we looked at uh, courses like horticulture, cleaning, uh, catering, but we actually ended up landing on business enterprise as the perfect test bed for this technology because it's a very big course. There's a lot of language to process for the, on, for the tutor. Um, and it's deployed across most prisons in the UK. So it was a big win if it could be automated. Uh, so that's why we chose that one. Um, it, the other aspect of it is that we wanted to try and make sure that the, the provision was the same across all of the prisons. So it was a good one to check for the consistency of service across multiple establishments as well. And due to the fact that it was a tough teaching environment, we did find that there was sort of different um, 
levels being analyzed. So the definition of a B in, in one prison may be different to a definition of a B in another prison. So it kind of gave credibility to the theory that there is room for AI to help monitor the service and to help moderate what's going on within the within the secure estate. When a prisoner arrives in a new prison, they're absolutely not there because of being triaged on an education pathway. They're there for a wholly different reason. And they're there for a variable period of time. So they may be there for six weeks, they may be there for, for several months or even years. Um, the other side of this is that they may have a PhD or or be functionally literate. So it's, there is a lot of work to do to try to understand the requirements of each prisoner as they arrive. So formative assessment is a big uh, sort of crunch point or a, a real um, bottleneck in the process in the prison system. So what we're trying to do is to, to make it easy or as easy as it can be for the tutors to understand the requirements of that prisoner as, as, as quickly as they can. The other side of this is because um, of the nature of sentencing, the prisoner may leave the prison or move to a different uh, different prison or be released uh, before the qualification has been achieved. So even though there's been lots of quality education that's taken place, they're not recognised for that work. So there's a real evidencing problem in the, in the secure state as well. So the idea of what we're trying to do is to make every single touch point that a uh, tutor has with a, with, a, with a student an evidencing point as well. So every piece of work is being recorded, there's evidence of what they know, what they're understanding, what they're talking about, so that potentially badge-based qualifications can be generated, there can be evidence generated to um, demonstrate to an employer, or even that uh, evidence that can be taken out of the prison and to justify engagement in mainstream education if they get there on release. One of the biggest challenges that emerged for tutors was that it's very difficult for any any educator to, to monitor multiple strands of someone's education at a time. So the more they look at the validity of response, the less likely they are to spot uh, weaknesses in spelling, punctuation and grammar. So um, the best thing that we can do is to help monitor multiple strands of a student's uh, learning journey at the same time and autonomously. So that's the big win number one. And in order to do the grading as detail in such a, in as detailed a way as the AI, it would take a tutor about forty five minutes to an hour to, to to deliver that kind of feedback to a student. The good news with AI is that can be done in approximately thirty seconds. So there's a real time saving in the process of automation. But the good news is that it's also interchangeable with the tutor. So at no stage is the AI making an independent decision that isn't reviewable or um, editable by a tutor. So it's more of a kind of passive moderator of what's going on in the prison rather than a sort of executive controller of what's going on in education. Thanks, David. And if you liked David's thinking, you can go back and check him out on a past episode of the EdTech podcast, which uh, was episode 132. With all these interventions, the hope is that lives are improved and people can enjoy employment opportunities as a result of their training and learning experiences. One challenge is an exacerbated skills gap developing during time in prison. How do you connect employers and potential employees in a meaningful way? Cameron Holloway from Socrates Software explains more. Socrates Software is a digital technology company specialising in prisons and probation. And we provide a wide variety of resources, content and services via digital tablets and via a smartphone app for people in prison and on probation. 
to help improve their lives. Our UFI project is specifically focusing on helping people from prison and from probation to get into jobs. And this is a well-documented issue. There are studies recently that have shown that people leaving prison don't get into jobs. So, for example, uh, six weeks after leaving prison, you've got 4% of women who are in a job and you've got 11% of men who are in a job, which is pretty pitiful. So we want to look at the reasons for that and how we might be able to do something about it. Well, obviously, it's a pretty big challenge and it's not something that necessarily we can solve on our, on our own. So we've looked at what is in place and what's not in place and so where we can help. And so basically, you've got actually quite a lot of employers who are keen to take on people from prison, probably more than you would expect. So that's actually not really a problem. But what is a problem is that people in prison are generally very low skilled and they're not getting the qualifications that they need while they're in prison. They're also just not getting the skills they need while they're in prison. They're not really interacting with people, learning how to work with other people, how to turn up on time, all the things that people tend to do when they're in work. And so where we feel we can help with this is by providing a more joined up approach for people in prison or on probation to look at what's available, choose a job that they actually want to work towards, and then showing them the steps that they need to go through to get to that point. So the qualifications and the skills that they will need to actually reach a point where they are employable in this career. But then at the end of that, have it linked to actual job opportunities with our partner employers. Not necessarily an actual job for certain, but we want to guarantee interviews so that you're not letting people down because these are people who get let down a lot, have been let down a lot in their lives to date. So that's obviously something we want to avoid. For the employer, this works as well because employers are often keen to take people on, particularly from prison, they find it hard. And from probation, it's not so hard because people are out in the community, but from prisons, it, they don't find it particularly easy because basically you can't access the people in prison very easily. And so you've got employers sometimes coming in for job fairs, for careers days, but often they'll then find that they're presented with a group of people who are just completely unsuitable as candidates. And so they've just wasted their time. And one way that employers have got around this in the past is people like Timpson, like Halfords, do create their own workshops within prisons. So they get people to then work for them in the prison, do some training, gain the skills that are required, and then they can assess those people as they go so that they're ready to then work for them once they come out. And that's a good model, but there's not a huge amount of it being done. It doesn't actually cover a huge amount of the prison estate. And so what we want to provide is something that can ultimately be rolled out across England and Wales and potentially in other countries as well to make sure that 
all prisoners have these opportunities. In a typical scenario, currently, what happens is that people are moving prison pretty regularly, on average about every eight weeks. And so they don't really have time to complete a course at one prison before they then move on to another where that course often is not available. They also are often just doing courses for the sake of it to fulfill a requirement within their sentence plan so that they can potentially get released earlier on probation, which is fair enough, but it means they're not necessarily very motivated to actually learn something from that course and to gain the skills required. So there's no real motivation there. And so what we've done is to create a pathway that will hopefully sort of start from the end by saying you've got this goal and then working backwards from there to say you've got to do the, these five things. And so a typical journey within this framework that we're setting up would involve having an initial assessment and initial uh, sort of viewing of a set of videos and pieces of information about different careers. So that can be browsed within our platform. And so that might open people's minds to options they'd never considered before, or just make them think about things that they had known about or seen, but they didn't necessarily know enough about them to actually work out how and whether they can go into those areas. And then once they've decided on something with the help of a mentor, they will then work through a series of um, qualifications or skills. And those don't have to be done in a certain order, can also obviously potentially be carried over from a previous pathway that you might have been following. And those will be done still within the prisons. So you might think that companies are generally doing this out of some sense of need to be helping society or to be seen to be helping society. But actually, there are substantial benefits to companies that we heard about when we spoke to them during our discovery phase. And many companies said to us that actually the people they take from prison are far more loyal than people that they take just from the community. And that's probably because these people are really grateful to be given a chance. They're really glad that they've got a job at all. And as we know from the statistics I mentioned earlier, they are fairly lucky to be getting a job when they're coming out of prison or out of probation. And therefore, in industries that often have very high turnover, they're actually extremely valuable to employers if they stay for a couple of years rather than just a few weeks or months. And that's a great place to end this week's episode. That's all for this episode. Do come back to hear from the Isle of Wight College and Lancaster and Morecambe College on their responses to COVID using technology. We'll also be digesting the news at the time of recording that Wales is suspending its GCSE and A-level exams in 2021. What do you make of this and could it be mitigated somehow? For another inspiring episode, if you like this, check out the work of BEAM, who are also working to change the life of people through education, training and technology. Uh, And if you go to the EdTech podcast and punch in BEAM, B-E-A-M, 
uh, into the search bar, you will find that past episode. A big hello to listener David Nautilus, who messaged in to say, Dear Sophie, I've just left Headship to create an online school improvement platform and I'm looking to make as many edtech friends as possible. Your work looks exciting and I'm passionate about learning. I hope that you don't mind me dropping you a line. So no, I don't mind at all, David. Um, And I'm just going to find your Twitter handle to share with everyone so they can be your edtech friends too. So it's at David Nautilus 1 and that's spelled N-A-U-T-I-L-U-S 1 at David Nautilus 1. Um, And yes, best of luck with uh, your work as you get to grips with your new venture, David. Um, If you like this episode, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts um, and we'd love to hear from you in that way. And for upcoming uh, virtual events, competitions, funding and more, sign up to our newsletter on the edtechpodcast.com. That's it for now. Do take care. Bye bye.